good sis. Can you open this for me? I don't have fingernails anymore. I've been biting them again. Ah, oh, Jules, you're back on that train. Jules is a nail biter, folks at home. Have we press record? Are we starting? Oh, yeah. Have we started? Sure. We're live, baby. We're live. Gracious day. Um, Julian, unfortunately, not unfortunately, I guess, a it's lot of people op- deal with the this. the worst. Uh, <clears throat> he's a nail biter. Unfortunate. He's an anxious, he's an anxious Andy and uh, bites through his nails. And so he got this nail polish. And he puts on his nails that taste like literal butthole. Yeah, they give it to kids. Worse than literal butthole. Thumb, I'd, pr- right? I'd honestly rather taste literal butthole. <laughs> Whose literal this. butthole, though, do you think like it closely like, resembles? Like Andre the Giant after a wrestling match? Ooh. Yeah. Let's see if we can't. <laughs> my, dad, my dad represented Andre the Giant uh, back in the day. Yeah, for like um, Im- immigration, right? I don't know what Something it was like for. Dude, we, let's find a fun picture of Andre the Giant. Oh, find, my God. Find one that's not fun. Bro, this is the, this is <laughs> yeah, the no like... Shit. Oh, <laughs> find my one that's God. not fun. So what was the scoop with Andre the Giant? He had like gigantorism or something? Like he had some sort of thing that like essentially he never stopped growing. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, anything that I would say right now would just be like my own... Yeah, I mean, speculation. He's a giant. <laughs> yeah, he was a big ass motherfucker. He's a huge Frenchman. Um, how from, did we get on from, Andre the Giant? Oh yeah, Grenoble, I was saying I, I was like, how did we get on Andre the Giant? But I was saying that I'd prefer to eat or taste the defecation of Andre the Giant <laughs> than what after this paint, WrestleMania. after WrestleMania, after his after his gnarliest fight he ever had, <laughs> than the stuff that I have to paint on my fingernails to Which prevent is, myself from biting. It's pretty incredible because um, uh, <clears throat> you went back to chewing your nails. Well, no, I like just went back to not how- painting because I continue to like, it works, it's very effective because that taste stays with you for hours right it's like it ruins your day you, you like and it'll I'll what's even, it called what's the uh, what's the stuff called I forget you can just like google like fingernail biting stuff and it'll probably come up as the stuff that i've gotten um it's it it's it's just so bitter and it stays with you and it it like i, I get it on my fingers and then i eat chips like we eat mm, chips all the time right. and then it like gets in my mouth when i eat a chip and I'm just like, oh, I didn't so bite my fingernail. I just ate a chip. Like I'm punished for eating a chip anytime now. You eat, anytime you eat finger foods, anything that comes between between me and finger foods, gotta get rid of it. Get out. <clears throat> get that, out, dude. dude. All the best foods the, are finger foods. This is the most. This is the thing that gets between you and finger foods. Top top five finger foods. Go. Buffalo wings, uh, nachos, mm-hmm. uh, mm, uh, egg rolls. Ooh. Mm, uh, uh, t- what are those? Th- satay? Chicken satay? Little mm-hmm. on the Yeah, stick. little skewers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, Ecuadorian footlongs. <laughs> what is an Ecuadorian <laughs> footlong? <laughs> little, little Smokies. They <laughs> 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 call Ecuadorian. Ecuador. Oh, man. So Smokies, the little wieners, little are wieners. Ecuadorian and, footlongs? Like pigs in a blanket. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, my dad always brought that because everybody in Ecuador <clears> is short, so... My dad. How are chips not in that top five list, dude? Chips are the ultimate greatest finger food. Because I was talking, I was going fast. And honestly, those things, if I had them all in front of me right now, I wouldn't go. I mean, it depends on what kind of chip it is, but dude, I'm going. Wingies. Yeah, wingies are fired. What are wingies? Oh, just wings? Wings. Yeah. Did we have this conversation before? How many wings you think you could eat in one sitting, Steve? Yeah, we did. 
And what was the number? It was like 70? I can't remember. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, you could not the best, No, the best part, I think during that show, or I think I remember Steve's answer was, he was like, I, pr- I probably couldn't eat as much as you think I'd be able to eat. We're like, <laughs> I like, mean, I probably, like, what, do you, what do you think? Just give us the number, Steve. He's like, 108. <laughs> it was like a huge number. I was like, that's, that's way more than I thought you'd be able to consume. Yeah. Yeah. What's, um, what's your favorite wing spot to go to across the country? You've been all over the world. Where is the best wings? Uh, Pock Pock, but Matt's Rotisserie and Oyster mm. Bar. It has insane wings. And the best ones in Spokane are at Dabali. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Is that out like Airway Heights? Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal restaurant. <clears throat> yeah. You're we, going in there next week. Sweet. Yeah. We've we've yet to go to Dibali. It's brilliant. We've I've been, been to Bali, but we've never been to Dibali. <laughs> we haven't been to Dibali. That's actually double Bali. It's just short for double Bali. Dibali. Yeah. Dibali. Um, yeah. We've heard great things about that restaurant. We're going to cruise out there. Incredible uh, spot. Man, Matt's Rotisserie Grill. They do a lot of really great stuff. Folks who are living or around the Seattle area who are listening to this, check out Matt's Rotisserie Bar and Grill. I'm not sure if they're open again. They, they were are. shut down. They but their nachos, also some of, some of the greatest nachos I've ever had in the world. I've had nachos all over the globe. Yeah. Maybe not over the globe. Just in America. Yeah. I've had a lot of nachos throughout America. Yeah. I think it's my favorite restaurant of all time. In fact, I used to work there when I was 16 as a busboy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll, never, they'll never let me, they'll never let me get away with walking away from this experience because I used to be the worst busboy of all time and I would eat those chicken wings and I would eat the fries eat old food all the things out of the bus tub Mm. people would be like leave a plate of just like you know it's untouched coincidentally enough though very frowned upon during a pandemic well it was happening (laughs) this this was eight years yeah it took fuck not eight i was like jesus try to do the math 18 years ago crazy wow i mean i'd also slap anyone that left a wing on the plate for the bus exactly dude that's what i was doing plus i was i was making just as much money as i had to pay for gas to get to my job because i was driving my 40 econo line 1992 it had three miles to the gallon oh that's and no windshield wipers yeah, Matt's. Uh, I've had a lot of good times in that old restaurant. What I'm? What's the restaurant or dining experience that you guys can't wait to have when this thing gets situated? Like, what is there a restaurant? Is what's there, the place in Australia we all went to and had that big family? Chin 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 Chin's the spot, man. That's the best meal I've ever had. Well, guess what? We'll Facetime you from there when we're there because we're going several times. Dang. I love torture. Unmasked. Honestly, I think I like that cookie place better than I. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't. The, they were just. Dude, Oz just has like, especially Melbourne. The food scene over there is just stupid. Man. Yeah. Like even the hole in the wall Chinese dumpling place you go to, just like on a whim. Like there's this place like mm-hmm. just around the corner from. Oh my god. Yeah. Soup yeah. dumplings in my ears, please. I'll there's a there's a place that we all really like in uh, the Lower East Side of Manhattan called Thursday Kitchen. <sighs> Talk about it. Oh man, I'm excited for that. Yeah, they have this. Um, uh, they have this. Uh, what's that really sweet? That rad mushroom that the pigs go find. Uh, truffle. Truffle. They have. Is it a mushroom? Truffle. Mm, I, it's some I sort of know. fungi, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, oh, they have a truffle mac and cheese that is like. It's the greatest mac and cheese I've even, ever yeah, had I don't, in my life. Know, I don't even know how to deal with the flavors that it puts into my mouth when it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> and I have an awful palate for anything. The only thing you have a palate for is Hot wraps sauce. and that fucking 
shit you put on your fingernails. <laughs> I <know>. So so <laughs> truffles truffles are edible fungi like mushrooms. Unlike mushrooms, they grow underground near tree roots, and the best truffles are widely, insanely. Wait, how much? Oh, I got to see how so expensive, expensive they are. So yeah. expensive. Oh, this is way too much information. Does this ever happen to you guys? Where you're just like, I just want the thing. I, <laughs> I want, want the, the answer. answer to the th- question that I asked. And then you open up a site and it just has no, too no, much no. reading. <clears throat> yeah. Pure torture is going to look up a recipe and then it sends you to the link. And the uh, whole thing is just ads God. and different links to other recipes. You're like, just tell me the cook time. <laughs> Could, you, ima- could you imagine before the internet, though? <laughs> so like, um, I guess I gotta figure this out on my own now. We're like, man, Britannica. ads popping up, and yeah. I gotta look up stuff. But, but in the defense of how we used to gather information, it used to be all books. There's yeah, no ads in books. It's true. There's no links but there's in books. There's no spent. clickbait in books. All right. But in order to get a book published, I think that's kind of the only downfall, in my personal opinion, of the World Wide Web, right? Is that when we used to get information, the information that we had gotten was at least passed through a channel or a filter, a cauldron, um, a cauldron? No, not a cauldron. What's the what's the little noodle thing that you put noodles in, the water comes out? Uh, oh, uh, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, colander. Colander. That's the word I'm looking for. A colander of sorts, right? You couldn't get your book published unless it went through these specific uh, pathways, right? Now, to get information on the internet, there is there's nothing. All you need is an internet connection, which is nothing at all. And so you get websites like that, Steve, where you're like, I'm just looking for a fucking recipe. And why am I getting an ad for a neck massager? (laughs) This is not the information that I want. That's so annoying. That's the, that's by far the most annoying part of the internet. And I hope, and I hope that eventually the internet will become like, I feel like Netflix, right? Netflix to me is all of the annoying parts of TV gone away. I feel like the, the, best selling point of a Netflix is that there's no commercials and you can skip the intro. That's even blows my mind I love <laughs> that they have a link button that you can just skip the intro. I've seen this already. I don't, I never read the words. I, I just skip it. The fact that they give you that option blows my mind because those names are all the people who actually make the film mm-hmm. kind of bonkers. But I hope at some point in our existence and in our lifetime, there is an internet that you can pay for. Maybe you pay an extra price for the internet, but there's no ads. There's no like clickbait links. There's no, it's like a very consolidated filtered internet that is all stuff that's been like blind test. I don't know how you would do it, but does that make sense at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish that that existed because God, the like just there's too much stuff. Yeah. It's, it's too much. It's like, go, it's like turning on the TV nowadays and being like what do you want to watch mm-hmm. it's impossible what we're gonna you go surfing for like 45 minutes before you find anything that you're like and then you click on something you get 15 minutes through it and you're like huh i don't, I don't know maybe there's a better option because there's so many options what do you think your life looks like if you take one full month off internet completely mm, wow both of you guys um i, I mean th- that's honestly like it'd be an interesting it'd be an interesting challenge does that include 
like Everything. Instagram. Yeah, is yeah. That, does that include Everything. Google yeah, Maps? It wouldn't be a problem at all. But like even like te- ever. But, but it's like television. Well, I, but but your yeah. TV, you're you're watching TV on the internet, Steve. So that That's would count. Fair. That's so fair. any internet at all, anything, anything, any internet. Any which is internet. everything. Which is everything. <laughs> no, you just said anything, and then you said any internet. <laughs> well, well, right. But they're fucking the same thing. Anything in the internet. No, I mean like. Sorry, I just interpret it as anything. Like, you want me to go just do nothing for a month? No, 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 no. Just yeah, oh, just, just remove the internet from your life for a full thirty days, and what does I mean, that, look that like? might be one of the hardest things. To, I lived up in Chihuahua for three, four years. The reason why I moved was because we couldn't get internet up there. Mm-hmm. If I if if I had a fast internet up there, in I would have still been out well, twiddling my thumbs out in the na- you'd wilderness. Come, you'd come to our house in Seattle and just download a hundred terabytes of stuff to bring back to Chihuahua. Yeah, because I didn't. I could never find. <laughs> I mean, I, I must have called just nine different internet. providers. Um, I had like extra three or four extra Verizon pucks to like precisely placed around my pad to see if I could get like better and nothing. There was no options up there. And eventually I just had to move. I mean, it's like kind of the reason why I'm able to not live in a music city though, is because of the, the joys of connecting and the ability to connect through the internet. Uh-huh. It's, it's allowed me to be in Spokane and not like LA, Nashville, New York. Yeah. Um, so, but so two answers. One, if to make a living impossible, cause that's how kind of like the internet provides that ability for you. Um, yeah. Two addictive. I don't know. Like we, we took a trick this weekend and, uh, I maybe spent in total a half an hour on my phone mm-hmm. and it was looking at travel trailers with Ty. Yeah. That was it. And that was the only reason why I got on or had any desire to get on. And it was great. It was really, really nice to be able to put it away. I was telling you on the way back, that little trip invigorates me for work. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the week after the Valentine's special that we just shot, folks who are listening at home, we shot a Valentine's movie, essentially. Calling it a special. You're but, calling it a movie now, huh? Um, <laughs> well, because you want to give people the gravity of what actually we did, right? When you're and explaining. And we also want to be like, we made a movie. Right. Um, anyways, it was a lot of work. It was like, it was two weeks of full balls to the wall, like 18 hour days kind of thing. And so the week after that, we had a week after that, that, uh, I did nothing. I did nothing for like four days. I was like, I have no, there's not any more energy in my body to go and like edit another video or like promote something online or even post Like I'm just like, I don't even want to be on Instagram. I've (laughs) been on it so much. Um, but that little trip separating myself from whatever that, hole is with the device because we didn't really have good internet out there anyways was super rejuvenating but to do it for a whole month might be real challenging i feel like i just have to get out of town like go somewhere remote and just have that be the experience instead but is there a place that's that remote i just would like i would just go put myself somewhere where i could just like swim and do activities and be like i'd have to go on a month-long vacation basically is what i'm saying to like substitute for the lack of that internet yeah such a wild such a I know it's so crazy wild man. development we were in this we, we popped 
into this brewery when we were in Sandpoint and had lunch. Julian paid. It was sweet. Oh, yeah, dude. That's I funny. got an extra pretzel. <laughs> uh, thanks, Uncle Dean. No problem. And this, towards the end of our meal, this basketball team came in. I think they were playing basketball. I assume they were playing basketball. Um, probably seven young boys that couldn't have been older than 11, maybe 10, and their parents. And I, they sat at the table next to us. The kids were at one table. The parents were at another table. Every kid at the table had a phone. And they were not, they were, they were socializing, but they were socializing like for and through their phones. Mm -hmm. I hope that by the time Rudy's of the age where he's socializing a lot with like, between the age of like one and five, I feel like your parents have a lot of influence on your life. After five, you're, it's like other kids. Yeah. Seemingly other kids raise other kids. Totally. Granted, your parents have influence in your life, of course. But when I look back on my childhood years, like I was hanging out with buddies, like the it's things like, that, it's, my, it's my peers, right? Yeah. And I hope that in the next five years, Somebody, somewhere, something starts regulating the internet and phones to young kids. Because I, it was, I mean, last night, obviously, I was like in a paranoid state and was thinking about it a lot. But it blew my mind that these young, I remember when I was that age, like, dude, we were roughhousing. We were doing fart jokes. We were like, these kids just sat at the table looking at their phones. Mm-hmm. Like next, right next to each other. Yeah. And now through a pandemic where your entire education process is on the internet, laptops, like, I, I don't know. I'm just a, a little bit terrified of what that will be and how to combat it. Yeah. Like, am I going to have to do these like monthly retreats with my family where we purposely go and turn off our devices so that our kids at least have some of that perception ingrained in their mind am i gonna be the the lame parent that's like no you're not getting a phone until you're 18 and they'll be like but all my friends i'm 11 and every one of my friends has a huey mate with a 400 megapixel camera on it <laughs> I, like i don't know how to navigate that in that uh landscape and i'm, and I'm kind of terrified of it but um i don't know how the fuck we started talking about this i don't know but it's interesting i mean like i i, I I imagine that that's not uh, an abnormal feeling to have as a parent ever, no matter what generation you grow up in. And although we were on all three of us, the the kind of the back end of, of like the last group of people, the last generation of people to, to experience analog and digital. Like we, we, we know what life was like before the internet. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, we have this like this fear of what it can be for the next generation, just as much as our parents had for us when we were kids. Like it's a different, different circumstances and different technologies and different things. But like, and yes, like what's happening now is, is happening at a, at a rate much faster and crazier than it was back. Well, then. and it's also just like compounded too. It's, it's granted. I don't know. I'm not parenting other kids besides my own. I'm hoping that if 
parents are giving their children phones before they're 18 years old, they're limiting them at some in some way yeah and their time on that device but um the percentage of time that is spent on this vastly and like infinite mechanism which is the internet is so much more time than i spent watching tv growing up for sure Um, it's just more access it's just it's just more available and my other my other thought though and i'm sure i've talked about this before on the show i forget how many different topics i've touched or how many times i recycle thoughts but i remember them yeah so maybe you can stop me then but my (laughs) other my other thought is am i limiting my child by right because like at some point in human history people looked at the written word the same way that we're looking at the internet yeah because the written word at some point was a new thing and there were People who were like, I don't know if we should be writing down things. I don't know if we should be recording things. You know, when photographs start first started, like people were actively like, I don't want my picture taken. I don't want to be immortalized in a, this is weird. This is witchcraft, right? Um, Movies, the same thing, right? Like there's always been a fear of these evolving uh, inventions, and so am I hindering my child's livelihood because I'm keeping them away from these, from, from where the world is already turning. Right. So like if I actively keep my child away from the knowledge of technology, the internet, computers, gaming, television, all this thing, all these things, Am I limiting his chance to operate in the future world? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, kids who didn't grow up around computers that can't type with like their all five fingers. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of like, you're kind of limited a little bit in the job market. If you don't, you know, if, if you give your child an iPad at 11 and they learn how to utilize that appropriately and accordingly, you know, like it could better their chances in the job market eventually like well i think what you're talking about though is just you're talking about just a kind of going rogue where it's like what you need to do is focus on curating the experience more that's you being active as a parent and like paying attention to what and how the content is being pursued yeah that's a great point i've thought about that a lot is that like because the those tools can be incredibly useful like there's some games and there's some games on ipads that was hanging out with Jamie Liddell when we were doing our record. He has a young kid um, who I think is now around five, but he was about two or three when I was recording the record with him. And the games that he was allowed to play on the iPad were like super educational. Um, yeah. It's about using the tool in a way that you feel is not inappropriate. Yeah. It's just a lot of work. It seems like for you to have to, curate that uh yeah but that's what a parent is though right for sure yeah you, for sure you know, going out and playing catch or doing something like that but if he's going to sit on the you know the internet for two hours right. make that experience educational and functional and not uh distracting from uh, a positive experience yeah and i guess you and, and i guess you have to hope that when you're not around that your child discretion is being used in a 
a way that you would approve of and you would be well, yeah, happy that's, with. That's a God, that's a can black hole. Um, but I think there are now more than ever ways that you can make sure finding less than admirable things on the internet. It is harder. Like, I think, I hope nowadays, because bam, back when I was a kid, you know, like porn blockers and, and finding your way to some like crazy sex traffic website, like my parents had filters for those on our internet growing up. And I still, I still manage to find my way around them at times. Right. But I would hope that nowadays that technology is bonkers. It has to be. I haven't I dug into so. it enough, yeah, yeah. but, um, I would hope that there's something out there that can really you can really monitor what you're because I don't personally to me it's like I don't think it's going to be possible for me to fully limp like just keep my kid away from screens one like my one like I love movies I love TV I love like I literally love it I mean that's some of my fondest memories growing up were like family movie night when we would sit around the TV like this like shit brick TV that was from 1942 it was like the first pressing (laughs) and we would watch we would watch Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin movies man I just like remember that was like so much fun for me Mm -hmm. and so I want to be able to share that with my with my son but uh, I also, um, I'm, I guess I'm a little terrified about who else manages to find his way in his orbit whose parents don't think that way. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, I think one of the biggest obstacles coming my way that, maybe not obstacles, but just something that I haven't thought about much is it's not how active I am in my child's relationship only mm-hmm. it's how active other parents whose kids have relationships with my kids are if that makes sense yeah of course and so but that's gonna happen it's gonna happen but I've never thought about it up until now and yeah. and it's kind of like <laughs> laying in bed last night just like right. oh fuck just like having a panic <laughs> attack yeah I couldn't well, I don't know get about that you guys when you were kids but uh everything my parents told me that I shouldn't do, I wanted to do more. Yeah. So it's about that too, where I feel like my parents were pretty good about not saying don't, but giving me like a, well, this could <laughs> result. Yeah, of this totally. Behavior. For sure. And I noticed yeah. that, I noticed that with Rudy as well. Cause I'm, I think I'm, I was raised with the, with the absolute style right, parenting. Right, right. No, you don't do this. You can't do this. And same thing, it trig- it totally triggered me into wanting to do those things more. But as a parent, like that's kind of the example I have to go off of, which is just the way I was raised. And so, um, yeah, m- making making a better uh, making a better attempt at instead of absolute, like I am the authority, you do as I say. More so like, how do I guide properly? How do I not, I mean, manipulate is the wrong term, but it is kind of a, it's a level of manipulation where you like, you want a specific result as a father, but just like saying, this is the result and we will get it. One, it's kind of lazy and two, it rarely leads to that, to that goal. Yeah. I mean, I think you're an active parent enough and I know, know, especially Taz where it's like, you'll, if you just go through those experience with him, that's how things will be learned and taught in, in a way that's not manipulation, but is a shared experience 
that he can reflect on and when he goes on to his like solo pursuits of things if you're just no and then you walk away right you know you're leaving it to chance but yep. if you're involved in what he's doing on those things you know not overbearing but obviously just like just paying attention and just being a part of it things will work out because you and taz are both positive people that don't really go down those negative holes Sometimes I do, dude. Last night I was on one. <laughs> well, no, but but I mean, like, you're not going to do that with Rudy and be like, hey, Rudy, do you want to see this crazy shit? Because I'm in a dark place. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> no, not at all. But I, I have, I mean, God, it's like, especially if you bring, you know, you bring another kid in the mix and like, just also while trying to juggle running your own business. And like, I definitely so, understand so like- how... I I can definitely, I used to look down on it so much, like going to a restaurant and seeing kids on a pad or Mm -hmm. on their phone. Mm -hmm. But like now as somebody who has a toddler, I'm like, oh, I totally get that now. Because for the one, for the hour that you're in a public place, you want your kid not to scream at the top of their lungs Mm -hmm. for the entire time. And a, and a TV show is a miraculous babysitter. Like kids focusing on that screen is like, it's hypnotic. Right. And so I, I understand that pull and I attempt at as often as possible to, to stay away from that pull of like, just cause it is, it's a, it's a level of laziness on my behalf, which is like, okay, I want to be able to do something else and not focus on being a parent right totally, now. Yeah. Totally. Um, but I tell you what, my, my, my judge, my judgmental, bar- like my, uh, how quickly I judge others yeah. in that capacity has gone down well, um, it, enormously since yeah, having a kid. I think something that probably is one of the greatest parts of being a parent, which I know nothing about is that the, is the component of, of learning as you go you don't know what you're doing you don't Mm. like and because you know more than your child i think there's this like misconception a lot of times when you're at least for people that thinking thinking about being a parent it's just like well yes i am the authoritative figure Mm. here like and so therefore like what i say is what it is right but you're learning the whole entire time alongside your child Mm. and it's such a great avenue for you to continue to learn and and not only just like teach your son the value of life but to also understand what the value of life is through that Mm, educational process you know Mm -hmm. and through like trying to educate your son keeping in mind that you're learning as well right and so not just and i think maybe you know there's some parents that probably just think like i know everything and therefore like this is what goes and this is how and these absolutes that we're talking about and you know, to just, to just keep in mind that, you know, you're learning together and they're different, they're different, uh, learning curves for the parent, obviously and the child, but that's the coolest part about it, I think. And, and, and it, and it kind of opens itself up for you to have a different experience that allows you not to have to have those panic attacks, you know, in, at the end of the night or moving forward. And, you know, if you have them, you can at least be conscious of them and, and recognize, you know why they're there and try to navigate yourself away. Well, from I think them. it was there because I took a little too much CBD <laughs> last night. I mean, it wasn't because I was actually in yeah. a state of panic. I think it just right, right. Hey, folks! Today our episode is brought to you in part by our good friends at Ladder Coffee. Head to laddercoffee.com and you can order beans directly from the brewer, as well as some of this beautiful cold brew locally owned and operated out of spokane washington check it out ladder coffee i'm jacked
It's, it's so interesting. That there's been a couple times in my life where I've had like legitimate terrifying experiences and it's been from eating cannabis. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, I mean, it, well, but what I've heard is it just metabolizes differently in your body. And so like, I, I remember I, <laughs> this is a, really dumb of me, but I snuck like some edibles to, uh, well, I didn't even really sneak them. I left them in my bag, but they're just like not labeled as <laughs> this is weed. You know, it was like a brownie or something. Right. Which, um, and I didn't read, I never paid attention when I used to like be a heavy cannabis user to, uh, dosage. I would just like people would, you know, like if, here's a cookie, man, a blunt dude, smoke the whole yeah. thing. Well, Sick. no, that oh, so I could, edible. that I could know. Yeah. Right. Like that. Gauge. I'm like, okay, well I'm going to take a couple of right. like yeah. puffs off that. I'll be fine. Here's a whole rice crispy treat. Yeah. A whole rice crispy treat. I'm like, great dude. A whole rice crispy treat can, can like set you on your ass for a week. Mm-hmm. And, um, I took this cookie to France and I ate half of it. And I hallucinated. I remember like me and my buddy Earl were, my friend Earl, that's good. Uh, (laughs) That's good. (laughs) We were in my hotel room and he was just like, Earl's a talker, man. He can just go. And he just went and like, I couldn't, like, you know, you go to a movie and like, or sorry, when like scenes in a movie where somebody gets hit in the head yeah. or they're like in a car wreck and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. saving private Ryan, half of exactly <laughs> yeah. half of like just shell your interpretation of shell shock through cinema. That's what like my experience was. He was, I couldn't understand what he was saying. I remember I turned to him at one point cause he was like, so what do you think about that, man? And I said, bro, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I literally turned, I literally tuned out the first three fifths of what you said. (laughs) And, uh, that time. And then, I mean, last night wasn't terrible, but like, I definitely was like, Whoa, I'm, I'm feeling anxious right now. And some of the same, some of the same memories came back from that experience in France. And this one last night, where I was like, literally, I was up to like one thirty, just like sitting, looking straight up at bed. Just like, yeah. uh, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about? Had you, what about? Had, had you had that that stuff yet, or was that the first time using it? That was my first time using you that. Use it again. Specific. Well, I'm not gonna take that much. How I much took did a whole take? dopper, like a whole. It's a tincture, you know. So you uh, like, you take a, and uh, I didn't read the dose. I just like took a. It was like a one to one, but it had. Um, so I like CBD stuff. Yeah. I like. I can't smoke regular, like, well, I wouldn't say normal people weed, but like, I'm only, what is that? <laughs> Siri's talking to us from somewhere Siri's in the world. talking to us from ghosts. God. We have ghosts. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like CBD too. More. I, I can say. only have like stuff that's high in CBD, very low in THC. But what's weird is like just plain CBD doesn't affect me i've had like just cbd without the thc and it doesn't do anything for me yeah but if it's a high thc like a 10 to 1 ratio or a 5 to 1 ratio it's like my anxiety is usually zilch high cbd high cbd yeah high cbd low thc but still a little bit of thc and how how i've heard it explained before is that the actual legitimate marijuana cannabis plant always had an even ratio of CBD and THC, but 
through just like humans naturally do with dogs and anything they get their hands on through evolution have warped the plant to be these like 30 percent thc and like no cbd they ricky laked it they ricky laked it (laughs) and so those specific strains of cannabis like they make that they i get super paranoid um unless i'm in the right place like i've definitely had a couple hangs with laura before steve where it's just like we're in the moment together and we're both yeah. we're laughing our ass off and it's fun and I'm present yeah. but it happens when I'm by myself uh, is when you know I get locked inside these like this rat race of mm-hmm. my mind mm-hmm. and get super paranoid mm-hmm. um, but that's when I quit that's when that's when you quit was was what well first the like social aspect went <clears throat> for me as far as like being stoned mm-hmm I just didn't like it anymore, and then I only liked it alone, and then eventually it just, like, that same thing happened where I just was like, I'm just kind of done with this because I started getting way too in my own head about absolutely nothing. Oh, so, like, you used to enjoy how it made you feel in social situations. Yeah. And then you stopped enjoying that experience and just started doing a solo experience. Yeah, like smoke and listen to music or play music or do something like go go to the beach. Yeah. But then it, then it just it just went away. I don't know. When did you start smoking? Probably like nineteen. Nineteen, yeah. I I was twenty something, twenty three maybe, twenty four. I forget. The first time I ever smoked was with you, Jules, in mm-hmm. uh, Alderwood. I remember like turning the lights on and off in front of you, just like <laughs> let's fuck with them. Oh yeah, you guys. Oh, so you're the cause. Yeah. No, I mean I had a blast. Like we, he was laughing really hard. That's why we kept, we weren't doing it to scare him. We were doing it because he was just like, uh, like uncontrollably laughing. The first time I ever smoked weed. So, like I really had never drank or smoked or done anything when I met Jules and the squad, the Chappas Woo squad, and like I, you know, I turned twenty one, and so I was like, oh, I'm gonna have some drinks, you know, here and there. Um, but obviously like weed at the time was first of all legal, illegal. So like that was like an absolute no, no for daddy boy. Um, but I remember I eventually was like, I, I was around weed enough to be like, this isn't what I've been told it is. Mm-hmm. This is like, this isn't crazy. Like you just, just do like it. And then like, you kind of good time, have some Mac and cheese and then you hang out. Uh, and so I decided <laughs> one night I was like, you guys, like I, <clears throat> it was probably the week leading up to it like guys I, I think I want to smoke weed and so Jules Styles Bentley Tristan Damn. like we had like a seance <laughs> <laughs> we, we put it in the we put it in the uh, uh, the hookah the hookah that yeah was, so oh, we wow. like grinded oh, it up and put it in the hookah with like all this like flavored tobacco yeah. and we smoked it that way that's a bad way to gauge weed too it's a terrible yeah. way bro I I remember feeling like, because I was laughing so hard. So like we smoked a little bit and then they dimmed the lights and Styles Bentley told me this fantastic story about <laughs> yeah. a dragon and little, <laughs> you know, like how he goes off on his just like bullshit, whimsical incredible tales. whimsical yeah. tales. So <laughs> and I remember I started laughing at one point, like when I could catch my breath, I was like, you guys, my laughs feel like they're turning inside out. <laughs> Like I felt like my rib cage, like my sternum had moved to the back of my spine and I had laughed a hole in my chest cavity. Oh man. It was the, I mean, 
easily one of the greatest experiences yeah. of my life. That's crazy. Uh, and then it was the same way for me. Like I really enjoyed it during social situations for a while. And then was like, then just got heavy into it and would like go smoke and just make music for hours. And then at some point, I forget when it was, it just like started making me epically paranoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same here. And I don't know if it was because my brain, you know, my brain chemistry had changed over time or if like, I'm curious now with the development of like state legal weed Mm -hmm. and how there is like a relative amount of science going into it now Mm -hmm. that you can go to the store and be like, okay, I want to try this kind, right? Because plenty of people will go and get bread and this specific bread gives them a gut ache and this bread doesn't. And so they, they stick with this bread, you know, sourdough or like unleavened, unleavened, whatever. And, and weed, I think now that it's, thank God, like opened itself up towards scientific research, which every single drug should do. Um, I bet I could go in there and find like, okay, well I can't do that one or that percentage or sativa or indica, but like the CBD has done that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see, but, but, uh, yeah, man, sometimes when you ride the dragon, baby, you get the tail, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, dude, that, was, that was crazy, man. I, did, did, did your guys's, uh, uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm projecting my own paranoia onto how my experiences started happening, which is what led me to stop. Uh, did those come from stopping and then starting again? Because I was consistent with weed for like eight years or something for a long time. Started smoking like much earlier. And then I got a girlfriend and my girlfriend was just like, I don't like smoking <laughs> weed anymore. And I was just like, yeah. hang on, my girlfriend says I can't smoke blunts anymore with you guys. So oh gonna, my God, I would have been I'm so... Just gonna, I knew you after that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody in our circle had gone through that experience with you, which was like, I ain't doing this anymore. Yeah. And you were like the kingpin of smoking blaze. Oh my god, dude! I smoked so much weed. So much, dude! You were you were we you smoked blaze quarter, Charles quarter blunts, like a quarter of weed. It, it was literally like a fucking zip. Like it was like a bigger than a big hot dog. <laughs> he just took the middle out of a toilet roll. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. Uh, but but so like yeah, my my girlfriend was like, you can't smoke weed anymore, Julian. I don't like it when you do that. And I was just like. Okay, whatever. I'm fucking. Well, to be to be fair, old. though, to be fair, that's probably not how it was delivered. Not, I mean, not at all. To be fair, I mean, she was probably right. I was a fucking just. No, not, no, 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 no. Not to fair to her. I feel like you're being more fair. Oh, <laughs> probably what happened was like she never actually told you that she didn't want you to smoke weed. Oh, she yeah. just like got mad enough She's for you to face. tell that something was wrong. Yeah, and I had to. I had and you to. had to discern what. I had to break the, 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 had to the break it down. Like, is it the weed? Is it the <laughs> yeah? And then so and then, then you were like trying to figure out why. Panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> made the decision. Yeah. yeah, that's probably why it happened. But 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 I did stop. And then I remember going back to smoking weed after however long it was that I had stopped. And the experience was completely different. And paranoid was kind of at the forefront of that. Experience. How many years had you le- had? You no, I don't been even out think it game. had been a well. I don't know. Like I remember being. The majority of our relationship, which was seven years, I was just like not smoking. I, I mean, I pretty dead. much stopped smoking weed after we started dating. And we started dating when I was 17. So I'd been smoking since I was like four 11 <laughs> or 12. 
Yeah, just like, you know. Whenever Julian, sorry to <laughs> change, I'm not changing the subject. I'm just having a nice little caveat. <laughs> um, <laughs> whenever, whenever Jules is about to tell me when he first started doing something, I kind of <laughs> always buckle my seatbelt because I'm just like waiting for like, yeah, I'm, I pretty much started having sex when I was like seven. <laughs> I'm like waiting for that to happen. I know. I mean, it's true though. I mean, it, a lot of those experiences were really yeah, it's, young. It's, it's just, it's, it, it all happened. It's the truth. You know, I'm, that's why I'm three chords, four chords in the truth, crazy. baby. Four chords in the truth. Three, <laughs> three chords, chords in the truth. In the truth. So um, yeah. Did, how about you, Steve? Did you just eventually like your experience with it got to a point where you were paranoid or did you take some time off of it and then come back to him and be like, well, this is not what I remember. No, I was pretty consistent with it, for sure. I think once I started drinking more socially mm. and smoking on top of it was really when I kind of like hit the, uh, you know, I was like, this this combo does not work for me. Mm. Um, and I preferred the buzz of alcohol more than the, uh, the high, I think. So I only liked weed in a creative way. Uh, yeah, same. Um, but then it's just, it's just, I grew out of it or something. I don't know, it's just... I don't know if the weed got stronger and I my tolerance got lower or what it was, but it's just kind of instead of enhancing my experience, it definitely hindered my creativity and growth and my thought processes going through certain creative outlets and aspects of my life. And I was just like, this is not for me mm. anymore. And then I would do it on occasion and I just that just reaffirmed my relationship with it of it being a negative aspect of right. my life and then i was just like cool i'm done with it but my partner you know smokes every day you know like before bed yeah and and she has a great relationship with it so it is what it is to each person it's great awareness to have that when you're smoking to to realize that it's actually hindering you if it is um because i didn't have that i remember coming home from uh some thing that i had been out doing um and my mom had stayed up and I wasn't home. It was like two o'clock in the morning and it was a school night. And my mom, like she was up when I got through the door and I was just baked out of my mind, man. My eyes were so <laughs> red. I smelled like weed. I'd been hot boxing my van, whatever it was. And she was crying and she was so upset with me. And she was just like, Julian, like you don't need to be like this, this, like you're going down the, like the wrong path. You're, you're like literally becoming a fucking loser and i just remember being like mom you have no idea like how creative this makes me this ma and she was like julian you're literally like on the verge of not graduating high school because you're like letting your grades drop you're fucking like everything is going down and you think this like you think this thing is making you the this creative fucking person that you expect yourself to be, but you're totally blinded. And I didn't have that awareness whatsoever because I was just convincing myself that like weed was my like my key to like the creative yeah, isn't flow. It, isn't it funny how little you think you need to be educated when you're young? Dude, I totally. Yeah. I and mean, that's the difference though, is that like Jules, I was like twenty six, twenty seven. Mm -hmm. I wasn't seventeen. Yeah. Jules started smoking when he was 12. Yeah, I know. I mean, I had friends that were doing that shit, too, and it was crazy. I didn't do anything until, like, 19 years old, and then I went pretty hard in the paint. But Did you guys feel the same way about high school and middle school that that I did? I mean, like, I got good grades. I got relatively good grades, like a 
three. I think I graduated like a three eight. Well, the curve's easy when your school has eight people in it <laughs> and nine. <laughs> um, but but in all honesty, there was a social mechanism to the 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 social group that I was in to getting good grades. Yeah, I'm sure that that exists a lot amongst many groups of kids that it, grow up in. It, yeah, for, I mean, for sure. I was just lucky enough to be surrounded by people who f- cared about like getting good grades and yeah. and their education. But like, I didn't care about learning. I cared about getting good grades because I didn't like. Sure. It was sure, sure, sure. it was a stature in like oh well I got an A on the test you know yeah. but I didn't care about learning what I got an A from yeah. I just cared about like. It's so crazy. Like now as a 30 year old man, I love learning. Mm-hmm. I love learning things that I'm interested about. Um, and I would imagine maybe back then at that time, there was, there was some of that. Um, but I had, I had, no, but no- you're not, you're learning like these arbitrary things. You're not learning stuff that you're passionate about. That's the problem with the general education yeah. is you're like, this doesn't, it's not applicable to me at all. Yeah. It's just frustrating. Yeah. But I'm hunting that grade because that's the social construct. Yeah. Right. But what about like history? I mean, history now oh, is so, that so enticing. I hated history growing up. Like was history. Really? That was the, that was the yeah. only subject that I was kind of like, when I was turned on, it was to something, to, to classes about history. That, yeah. That I was kind the of only thing that I was ever interested in, like legitimately interested in was PE physical education was like mm-hmm. my go-to, and then I had a wood shop class in high school. Mm-hmm. I loved yeah, that wood class. Shop was cool. I loved making things. Yeah, um, but every other class, man, I just loathed. Yeah, man, it's really interesting because both my, I, I'm the youngest, and both of my older brothers were out of high school by the time I had gotten there, and I think going into high school prior to getting there, I had these like aspiration. My, my oldest brother, Gabe went to the university of Washington and went to like a frat. And I was like, Oh my, that's, that's the way to go. Like, that's what you do. That looks so fun. I even went to a frat party when I was in like seventh grade and like experienced it with him and was just like, Whoa, this is crazy. I love, this is everything that I want. And then once I got to high school and didn't have any, uh, anybody to look up to anymore. I certainly wasn't looking up to my peers. I was just like, and, and I, and I spent the majority of my time with the athletes. Like I was like, I was an athlete, but I wasn't a good athlete. I just was by proximity to my friends. You got a lot of heart people. Who were playing. A lot of heart. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I, but they, he's but they, a great swimmer. Well, folks. Well, they, great well, swimmer. Well, as we shoot, showed in the, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because they all had, uh, these like disciplinary skills where they needed to get good grades to continue playing. Mm. Um, and they also kind of just wanted to, it just seemed like kind of similar to what you were saying. They, they, they didn't necessarily care about what they were learning, but getting good grades and maintaining like this social status amongst, um, their peers. And in, in that institution was important. And for me at some point, I just like gave up, I was like, I don't like my 11th grade year. I got like a 0.3 like on my, my GPA. Like it was literally failing every single class because I didn't show up. I didn't care. I was smoking weed every day. And all I did in class was just write raps. Like I would just, I was like, I quit the football team. I quit all that stuff. And I, 
I remember where did that come from? Like what, what, like who were you looking up to in that time, in that moment? Because there must've been somebody that was, there was somebody or something that was telling you that focusing only on this rap writing was going to lead yeah, it itself. Was like the rappers I was listening to. Now, I, remember, I remember like Tupac resurrection was just on repeat at my dad's house all the time. And so, like, I had this huge affinity for, like, hip-hop music and, like, black culture. I love love how hip-hop does that. Like, you know, all my favorite hip- To these, like, middle class, upper middle class No, like, if you go to the, if you listen to hip-hop lyrics, obviously, I can't generalize every hip-hop lyric. But there's a lot of, like, hip-hop lyrics about selling drugs and fucking off. and But yet, like, the hip-hop people that I look up to- We'll tell you like stay in school mm-hmm. and you know, it, right. it, it, it's, it's an interesting take on the culture versus like the, um, hip hop is such a huge part of our culture now that hip hop icons are like idols for yeah. young kids, but the rap, but hip hop music, right? Like, I mean, that music comes from like struggling in the ghetto and figuring out how to like right. claw your way to the top. Mm-hmm. And so for young, like affluent white kids, we're like, Oh, I guess we gotta like sell drugs totally, and like man. fuck off and smoke weed totally. in order to like be a hip hop artist. Right. And there was a, there was this, mo- there was this period of time in my life where I was so naively, naively, naive, naive, naively, um, like wishing naive. and hoping I was so naive that I, that I had been like, God, man, if only I grew up in like a lesser way mm, than yeah, I have, wow. because then I would actually be able to like warrant these feelings that I'm having right now. I feel like, God damn it. Like I don't get to have these feelings, but I'm having them and I can't justify them because I'm like this, like middle-class kid, mm. but I had all this angst surrounding like my parents' divorce and yeah. my fucking brothers who beat the shit out of me and all this shit that I was like, I just want to like express myself out and I want to have this, these feelings. And I'd be like, I want, I wish I grew up in the fucking ghetto. And it was just like, you are such an asshole for thinking that <laughs> that's way. That's a huge asshole thing. To think. It's such, but it's, that's just like, yeah, you know, yeah, that, no, know, that was why. And it, yeah. and again, like my, um, uh, I don't know if it's an asshole. It's not that. Well, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's just very short sighted. Yeah. yeah, it's just short sighted. It's an affliction of privilege. One hundred percent. And I, you know, just I don't know. I wanted to feel like my like my voice meant something else than what I was being fed um, from whatever institutions that I was in. And I, I don't know, like I just turned off and, and it's so stupid because I feel like I completely miss, miss, uh, construed what the messages that I was getting from these like artists, like Tupac, Tupac was like my hero growing up, you know, still, I love that guy and his music and it was so influential to me. And I just, I think where I went wrong was like expecting that my life had any relationship to his whatsoever. And thinking that like, Mm. I, like, I get it, Tupac. I resonate with that. So therefore, like me and you are the same. It's just like, Julian, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, I I let it get the best of me. I don't know. I think that, I think that at that age, I mean, there's a reason why every war in the history of wars was fought primarily by 18 year old kids Mm -hmm. because yeah, they were so I think there's something about that window of time in your life where you like 
you have chemicals coursing through your body that are so absurd mm-hmm. that I to not be misled at that age I think is more uh, astounding. Yeah, like to 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 focus on something and maintain focus on that single thing and not be deluded by all these can crazy things swirling around you at all times in my opinion is that's the that's the absurd thing like even me growing up the way that i did man like i god i was i had it so good and i just incredible parents and incredible community around me and um i still managed like i still managed to look back on my teenage years and be like god damn it God damn it, boy! You were wasted so much time. Yeah, you wasted so much time, so much energy. Like I could have. I'm constantly. I mean, just time now. Being a dad is really a. I, I constantly talk about this, but it's like, oh my! I get it. I get why people in their 60s or 70s were like, oh yeah, just time. Like that's the one thing that I'm constantly mm-hmm. remiss by is the amount of time that we don't have left when we when you get to that age. And I'm in my 30s like, God, I wish I would have spent my time better. I wish in my 20s I would have spent my time a little better um, to set me up for where I'm sitting right now. Uh, a little easier. Granted, you can't change it. It's pointless to go back. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It was sitting last night while I'm having my panic attack. Like I kept talking about this. Some, some This quote had kept coming up constantly. Worry is like paying a debt you don't owe. I kept being reminded of that. Like of this worry, like I'm worrying. I'm proje- future projecting on this thing that doesn't exist currently. Right. And that all, that quote, always manages to stick with me. Worry is like paying a debt you don't owe. It's pointless, right? It's pointless. Um, that's off topic from what we were talking about earlier, but I think it's, I mean, especially, especially going through a divorce, divorces are terrible. I can't imagine what a, a divorce would feel like, but especially like a messy divorce. Getting sidetracked and, and identifying or finding your identity in something as like epic as hip hop, you know, like I think a lot of, I think everybody falls for that. Not falls for like, like not like they're trying to trick you, you but like there's just there's resonation in in all of that. Totally. Nothing wrong with that. Right. And there's, you know, I was, I think desperately looking for role models in places that I was trying to connect with. And like, even when I started doing the rap thing, it wasn't like I was, Mm -hmm. I was resonating so hard that I was like talking about the same things in my own music i was Mm -hmm. like talking about my own experience and trying to be as honest about that as i could but the the part that i was like not fully understanding or aware of was that like my life actually was good in Mm. in a in a in a in a really amazing way if i was able to pull myself away from it yeah well for so long i was just like I don't have any role models and I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be something. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to show these people what I got. And it's just mm. like, all right. And I, it's not like you met me at this time. I wasn't like 
hardcore like gangster type of guy. I'm just I was a silly kid. It was just trying you had to have a, fun. you had an eyebrow piercing. I thought that was pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I was hardcore, dude. I had my nips pierced too. I know. It's like a 17 year old kid with his nipples pierced. I was like, what is this? What is this kid seeing? Yeah. I had like the same thing, but with like punk rock and hardcore music, uh-huh. like alternative mm. being like anti-establishment political anti-religion like i had that kind of a phase for myself yeah what age were you uh that was probably like 13 to who were those bands 19 for you i mean like minor threat black flag good riddance you know i don't even know who those are i never had a punk rock phase the descendants huh no green day (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) some 41 actually i hated those but what did you like what was your experience going through that steve did you did it change your behavior did it change your fashion sense did it like i mean it i think anytime that's the power of music right it gets it it changes a lot of you did you go through those changes yeah definitely i uh you know went from wearing just like skate clothes to just wearing band shirts and dickies Mm -hmm. you know converse and i just like the message of you know, even these guys were like screaming about like veganism and, and, you know, tearing down the machine and all the stuff I really didn't know about, but mm. <laughs> I related to it. But in the same kind of capacity, Julian, that's why I was bringing it up is that you were living vicariously through these lyrics of being like, oh, I wish I was, you know, a poor, a poor kid growing up with the struggles to make me inspired to get out mm. where it was like these guys were, you know, middle class or lower white kids that are calling out all the privilege and all the experience and all the this shit where it's like I grew up in a very rich city on the other side of the tracks not being that rich mm. but in comparison to anywhere else I was doing fine right mm. you know what I mean so that's where I my angst went towards was being like fuck all these people that have 8.6 million dollar homes mm-hmm. like why do they need that what's the point yeah. they've never seen rooms in their house so that was my like privileged just being like dude <laughs> and then eventually learn just like settle down and you're fine yeah what do you think that is in young boys i think i don't you don't have responsibilities to anything except for yourself like you're not responsible for paying rent you're not responsible to a partner you're not responsible for a kid you're not responsible for paying insurance you're not responsible for paying you know having respect of your peers work you're just like you right but why does that lend itself towards angst because because well, I don't know if I went through that phase. I went through that phase like earlier, like seventh, eighth grade. I actually kind of miled out in high school and was pretty straight edged. And But like in middle school, I remember like seventh, eighth grade, I went through this stint where I was just pissed. I was just pissed at everything. I was getting in trouble at school. I was fighting and talking about wiener jokes and stuff. <laughs> I mean, and, again, I never went through that stuff. Like Julian said, like I was still just a silly guy. But you, but you but, just feel that, like you just think that way. But so you didn't have like an angsty no. era. Uh, I mean, I think you're just trying to. I think, I think you desperately want to, uh, kind of make sense of what your identity is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you're exactly. young, you're just you don't know what it is and like you know and people will tell you you know parents or 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 authority figures or teachers will be like look you guys are young and you you hear that and you're just like you don't fucking know i'm not i'm young you don't have any idea what's going on in my brain right now you have no idea what i'm experiencing and it's just like yes i do because i was also 16 once 
And like, mm, right. I get it. I've been there. But when you're that age, you just like, you don't have any reference for anything else. Yeah, exactly. You're only, you're only growing up and you're only getting to this place where like you're becoming you. Mm. And so like, I mean, I don't think everybody has to experience the angst, but I think it comes from this place of just like, it's typically not just handed to you like this identity. You're not just like, unless you're yeah. this great kid who's just kind of like got life kind of in its are in a place that's being navigated for you and you're just like I don't know exactly how my life's gonna go if you don't and you're kind of trying to figure it out and anything is happening in your life that that kind of shakes the feathers of that situation you're gonna like attach yourself yeah, to that and be like attractive. you know yeah it's, foreign, I was, it's attractive it's different yeah you're learning yeah and I and I I uh I'm curious what that is though in human beings the grass is greener well no just like our our natural what seems like a natural desire to formulate identity like what is that where does that come from is that the ego is like like the ego compel us to like find our position in these it's part of it part of it yeah mechanical it's also a need communities. it's also like a, it's also it's also a necessity like you need, well we don't like you, you don't actually need to figure out your identity like it's not Some people do it doesn't lend well if you're going to die, you're not going to die from your inability to finding your identity. So it's not an, it's not an actual necessity, right? Like f- shelter, food, h- hydration. Sure, yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's like, it's an extra, right? And we've, we've found ourselves far enough away from legitimate in your face survival that these other problems present themselves, which is where do I fit in this community? Mm-hmm. Where, what kind of music do I enjoy? What kind of movies am I in? You know, like, and then when we connect to those identities as a manner, it's almost like we connect to those identities in a way to make us feel better than mm-hmm. yeah, we I mean, do. It's still human nature. Right. I'm, I'm saying, but, but right. But it's human nature for sure. It's a natural tendency, I think, when placed amongst communities. Yeah, but that's a, but that's also a natural thing for the most part. It's having a sense of community. Totally, totally. But if the community is more connected to the things that actually lend themselves towards survival, finding food, finding shelter, every yeah, like w- those when things, you have those things that are provided for you. What are you going to do? Right. Like you, you have food, you have, you're fed at school, you have water, your parents provide you with a bunch of stuff, presumably. Yeah. So what do you do? The only thing you have is your clothes or your identity, your perception from your peers. It's the only thing you can control. control. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting that it presents itself that way though. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's not natural, but I'm, but what's, but like this mechanism in human beings to struggle, like whether it's fight or flight, whether it's like leftover evolution from our ancestors to be like, I need to be in fear of something. I need to be like defending against something. There's like a mechanism, I think, in all of us to figure out what it is that's at the gates trying to break down the wall. And when all of our needs are met, we manufacture what those things are. Like what, what is depression? What do I need to be afraid of happening to me? Like we all do it. I did it last night for like three and a half hours in my bed. Um, and, and that's such an interesting, uh, study for me to think about because it's not necessary. It's not necessary for us to do that, but it's like the ultimate 
trial of human experience is manufacturing those tensions and manufacturing those stresses and, and, um, and why we do it and where it comes from. I mean, not where it comes from necessarily, but like how to overcome it. Yeah. Well, there's a song about it called naturally. Hmm? This guy wrote naturally, (laughs) naturally plugging my music folks. You can check me out on Spotify. (laughs) Um, Damn it. I had, I had a thought and, and that totally tracked me off. Um, well, this is, uh, I love these podcasts. Like just catching up with you guys is so much fun. It's kind of wild that we, I mean, we get to do this because we just allow ourselves the time to do it. Like it's not like we have this gigantic following of people who are like, please talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) Tell me about your weed stories, man. A lot of people dig these ones too. People that listen to us are listening to us. Well, I know, but I'm just, I, I just saying it. Yeah. Just enjoy sitting down and like mm-hmm. talking through life with you guys. I wish that it didn't take like five cameras and microphones for us to do it more frequently. It Although well, when that's we hang the out, ego, Alan, that's yeah. our ego. Yeah, it's 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 true. <laughs> yeah, and also just to, yeah, there you go. Uh, going back on that thought, when we can bring it back to this, uh, you're talking about like defense mechanisms and and trying to like manufacture these tensions for yourself to kind of move through life and like you know your and myself all three of us any of us are the way we are by route of wanting to survive in the world Mm. the way that we do like Mm. you're funny not necessarily because you always want to be funny but because it's probably uncomfortable for you not to be in moments when you're just like this is what my defense mechanism is going to be in this moment so i'm going to like use humor to combat the actual insecurity that i'm feeling right now and i'm not, and i might be projecting yeah, that onto well, you because i feel that way for myself yeah not to change your track because i want to keep you keep you going on your process of thought but it's interesting about those specific things like because i look at humor at times as a defense mechanism but also as an offense mechanism i don't think we talk about offensive mechanisms either like humor to me so many times can be the language of whether or not i'm going to get along with somebody like if somebody had like when i first meet people i will say specific things that if if they can catch it and toss it back, I'm like, oh, this is gonna, this is going to go well. So it's more of like an offensive. But what's the alternative technique. if that's not the case? The alternative to that? Yeah. So like you're doing that because you're like, I want to make sure this person can be my friend, so I'm going to toss it out there. Yeah. But what's the what's the alternative to that? Like you're just not going to do it, and you're going to act. The alternative and- to that is wasting time. Well, there you go then, because like it's just, <laughs> wasting time because listening it's, to people's right. mundane there lives. There you go then, because like that's the defense. Like it's not; it can't be an off. It, you can you can scope it as an offensive. Well, mechanism, no, it's but not it a really, defense mechanism because I'm not necessarily like. Well, yeah, I guess you could frame it as a defense mecha- mechanism, but I utilize it as an offensive mechanism, right? Like I'm gonna take the ball in this situation and and penetrate this specific part of the basketball court to see if there's any open shots. Yeah. And if there's not any open shots, I'm just going to like give you the ball and take off. That's how, that's how humor presents itself to me. That's how specific topics present themselves to me in like human relationship. Uh So I think that humor developed in me personally, um, 
because well I, mean, I don't know it's interesting to think about it. i don't think it was like a defense mechanism i was my folks were always funny and i feel like it was a tool that i developed as a youngster towards that offense mentality of figuring out like who I could fit amongst. Right. But it probably, and I'm only just because we're having the conversation, like it probably fits into like your need to have like a really clean house and your need to like present the way you do on stage and the way that you like just communicate all around because you want to impress upon people a certain way that represents you the way that you want to be seen. And therefore, like, the, that's why I asked, like, what the alternative is to that thing that you consider to be on the offense for you, which is like, I'm, I'm doing this to kind of like, to, 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 to shoot it, to take my shot. And if it doesn't work, then I walk away. But like, but if you're not taking your shot, then you're just, you're, you're not doing anything and you have to take your shot. So that the only way you know how to approach that is by doing all these things you do because otherwise you're not going to get what you get. And so they're you, you, I'm confused if, if there's a question in there. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm fucking all this up. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to kind of like go back to this whole idea of like offense and defensive mechanisms. And I think like you think do that, the things you do because you want to represent yourself the way that you want to represent yourself. And, and something, well, I don't know if everything that we do is in an attempt to, represent ourselves a specific way like i um not a, not everything that i do do i think of how does this represent me mm-hmm. there's plenty of things i do that uh um that i don't that concept doesn't come into my peripheral in yeah. in what's in yeah. any shape or form mm-hmm. But then there are other things that I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm precious about this because I think this does represent me in a specific light. Um, and so I'm going to manipulate my behavior specifically towards this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not everything is based upon how I want to be represented in a community. Um, no, I mean, I've seen you piss on your own jacuzzi, so like, you know, you're letting it fly every once in a while. Every once in a while, dude, I just tie one on and let it ride. And that's only because I don't have... A... I mean, amongst friends, you better not be putting on a show, otherwise we would know you're not genuine. Yeah, I don't... I mean, yeah, I'm pretty... I I think I think we're all very uh, transparent in our interactions. Now, granted, if you were to unpack all of that meticulously... Yeah, somebody who has way more time than I wish they had could probably fold it into a little Manila <laughs> right. uh, scenario and tell, well, this, this was because of your parents' yeah, divorce yeah, yeah. and this was because <laughs> you weren't pretty. Yeah. And I mean, this it's, was, it's, you know, it's all, I mean, but like, <laughs> who the fuck cares? <laughs> I mean, I, well, I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe you do eventually. It's all, like this whole conversation seemingly, uh, you know, is surrounding. Identity well, it's not, it's, and, it's like, not that I don't care that it happens. It's interesting that like that can be unpacked that way. Yeah. But like, I don't care to know how a cell phone works uh-huh. or why yeah. it works. I just right. care that it works. So like it, it, to me, because I'm not going into cell phone technology, unpacking all of that like doesn't seem to serve me very well. And so like unpacking why I specifically like utilize humor 
in relationships because I'm not a psychiatrist. Like mm-hmm. I just like that, that diatribe doesn't interest me as much as like talking about Gary Payton's jump shot in the, yeah. the early two thousands, you know? And it's yeah. not that it, it's not that it doesn't exist or that it's not important. It's just me personally. I don't right. like unpacking that shit. I'm like, ah, right. whatever it just is, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, I think that's just like my, my, uh, blessing and curse of my own life is that I don't know about anything until I'm like actually like really understood about the depths of that thing. So if like, if I'm going to try to understand something, I really have like math. Great. I understand that X plus Y equals Z. I get that that is the truth. I just don't know why. And if I don't know why I can't, well, I can't continue to just like write that off that like it works. It's, it's, it's not Y, it's Z. What? <laughs> he says X plus Y equals Z, but I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, well, because it's Z. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That's a good joke. How? That's a popsicle stick joke. <laughs> Come on. Alan, what are you deflecting right now? <laughs> yeah. With your humor. I'm deflecting <laughs> losing listeners. <laughs> oh, they're gone for sure. <laughs> they're gone. We lost gone. About no, I mean, that's very, that's minutes. an interesting part about you, Jules, which I think is uh, always kind of, it doesn't baffle me because um, it's just interesting for me that, that, that you're very, you're very connected to like the ins and outs of why we do specific things and what they yeah, mean and where they come from by behavior and like why we are the way that we are. Yeah. It's probably why I got into acting to begin with. Cause it's just like, that's the only thing that I can tap into to have that experience. Yeah. Trying to understand that a little bit more. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. I'm it not, might I'm, be cool. It might be awful too. It's fucking puts me in my head a lot. Definitely at times it's awful. Yeah. It puts me in my head all the time, man. I'm, I mean, not awful. It's not, it's never awful. It's just like, it's definitely a thing. I think being your friend, I mean, Steve might attest to this as well. Like there's times where it comes in most of the time. It's the greatest thing because somebody cares enough to like be concerned about why you're feeling the way you are as your friend that comes into play a lot. And I think that's why you have so many deep connected friendships, but just like anything, everything casts a shadow. So there's definitely times where it's like, Jules, I can't fucking go into this with you right now, bro. I'm not trying to like talk. I'm yeah. just trying to watch Reba McIntyre, bro. And just I, me and, and Reba and McIntyre. I, and, I, and I have, and I don't have the capacity to not. You don't have the capacity to turn it off. Yeah. No, just kind of like I don't sometimes have the capacity to turn off humor. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's the downfall of these little attributes that we have. I mean, at the in end of the day, I think, I think all all three of us have excellent attributes of who we are as people and and these c- character flaws that we suppose we probably have are actually probably really great things that are what make us the well, Steve people that we like. Well, Steve has never admitted to any character flaws throughout the 12 years that I've known him, so... Yeah, he's pretty perfect. <laughs> he's a perfect boy. Truth. <laughs> the perfect um, boy. This uh, has been another wonderful episode of How Good Is This with uh, your three favorite baby boys. <laughs> DM uh, How Good Is This podcast on Instagram and ask us questions. Or things yeah, could you, guys, could you guys hit us up on the Instagram or wherever we are and, or on the YouTube page and just ask, ask questions you want to hear. We can even like call, have people call in 
We can do it. We could literally do anything we want. <laughs> There's we can, no limits to this. Thing. We can do anything we want, but we won't do everything we I think, want. I think. <laughs> well, speak for yourself, Daddy. Um, uh, yeah, I think. I think. Kind of the 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 goal moving forward is to do like you know equal amounts of these with just ourselves as we do with guests. Maybe these are my favorite. I love uh, interviewing and meeting new people. There's a thrill and and in meeting and becoming friends with new people. And we've done so many rad interviews with human beings that have just enlightened our perspective of yeah. a, a litany of things from losing a partner to cancer, to um, astrology, to playing in the NFL. Like we've had, I mean, I don't know how many episodes we've technically done 28 or something, There's 28 that are out as of now but this might be like in the 30s yeah it's just it's a really cool mechanism towards like sitting down and taking time to dialogue with people because me personally i naturally just like fill my time um and this is a really wonderful way of slowing down and catching up and i'm always thrilled when it's just us three in the studio like just shit shooting when we first started talking about making a podcast i wanted to call it shit shooters Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that that's actually what we're just doing. We, we didn't yeah, name it shit always, shooters. We named it how good is this? Cause that's like very special to me and, and my perspective on life. Um, but really what we do is just shoot the shit, which is awesome. That's all we ever do, man. And that's all that people ever that come on and want to do with us anyways. <laughs> so wear, like, wear your sunglasses. I'm glad, I'm glad that we're like not people that take ourselves seriously enough to like actually say things that people are going to like, combat and be like no you guys are wrong it's just like we don't have we don't say anything of ma- matter of fact like we don't we're not sitting here like well i think what- there's there's definitely a a when you do a podcast with people that you know intimately who have seen you in every scenario of life that is thrown your way and also too when you choose to do a show with people who don't take themselves as seriously as maybe people can I think it lends itself towards a, an approach of humility, which I personally like. I per, my favorite people to listen to are people who are like, hey, listen, I don't know shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know shit. This is my opinion and my perspective, okay? I'm going to go on a fucking caveat. Yeah, we don't claim, ride, ride we don't claim to know. Dude, I'm going on a Plymouth caveat here. <laughs> Plymouth caveat. We don't claim to know that. The answer is to a goddamn thing, and that's kind of what's so great about the unlimited to, amount of dialogue that we can continue having. Yeah, it's fun to explore, too. I love you guys very much, and uh, I love all of you at home who have uh, taken the time to listen this far. We love you very much. Be safe. We'll see you soon. Thanks for lunch. I'm serious. Fucking <laughs> <Like in> caviar. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Oh, boo-boo, did you just make it to the end of the video? Yes, you did. Do you want to see more videos just like this one, huh? Do you? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire Live at the Lodge family. Yep, yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout-out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out, patreon.com slash live at the lodge.